Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and uh, Scott Ott. And uh, gentlemen, I think you and the rest of the world knows by now that I'm a connoisseur of bombast. I take a great deal of uh, pleasure in the minutia of it all. Um, but beneath all of that, I'm actually pretty serious about being right about things. It's not that I have a desire to be right in terms of an ego desire. It's just that I'd like to be accurate. I'd like to be on the side of the truth. So how do you know whether something is true or not? How can you tell? Uh, in as two examples, the way that the government handled the COVID uh, crisis, I have enormous criticisms of. Am I right about those criticisms or am I wrong? I, second example would be that I find that the argument about global warming, I'm sorry, climate change, is to be completely overblown and, and, and hysterical and designed to force people to do what you tell them to do. But what if I'm wrong about that? So how can we tell? Well, I find it very interesting and some of the best pieces of evidence that I am on the right side of these things as far as actual truth goes, when I see how the people advocating the other position actually behave. For example, here's a neat little uh, image from uh, Twitter. This is a socialist Spanish governor minister at a, uh, at a global warming conference, a climate emergency conference, and you can see that, that she's taking this very seriously because she's riding her bicycle up to the front of the, uh, of the building. Uh, it's not immediately clear to the observer that the car in front of her and the car behind her are both her personal security for this thing. <laughs> and it's certainly not clear that she took a private jet to get to this conference and then switched onto the bicycle half a mile away so that she could ride up on the bicycle. Now, you can't really blame this on socialists uh, from Spain because I'm pretty sure she got the idea from socialists here in America. Pete Buttigieg did exactly the same thing. He basically took a Ford Explorer or something to half a mile or a quarter mile away of some climate issue and then got on a bike and uh, rode the rest of the way to show how serious he is about these things. Hmm. So, um, Steve, maybe we'll start with you. When, when this whole thing started with Al Gore and in in Inconvenient Truth, which frankly scared the daylights out of me, as it was designed to as any documentary that is good at picking which pieces of dots, which, which dots we're going to put on the table, if we pick the dots and put them in whatever order we want to, connect the dots the way we want to, get you to think about anything. But when I saw that, I was, I was quite alarmed. It was 2005. And not long after that, it was revealed that Al Gore had a house that was using, I think the number was 30 times the amount of electricity that his neighbors were using. It was some, some significant, was, the lowest would, was six, but I think it was considerably more than that, Steve. And I remember at that moment thinking, okay, that has done an awful lot to inform me about whether or not the other side is serious. How can you tell if they're serious? How can you tell if this problem is a serious problem? And when you see people like uh, legislators, mostly Democratic legislators, talking face to face with each other with their masks off, not aware that they're being filmed, and then proceed down the steps of the Capitol where every one of them is wearing their mask, you begin to realize what they're saying and doing behind the scenes is not what you would be saying and doing if the problem that you're telling us is real was actually real. You know, you reminded me of uh, something I read, I think it was just uh, Monday or Tuesday of this week, is that it turns out COVID-19 was probably even more infectious than we thought if such a thing is possible. And that something like 65% uh, of everybody, I wanna say the age was 59 and under, whatever, whatever the, the, the young cutoff was where it wasn't really a concern, 64 and younger, whatever it was. Uh, huge numbers of people were infected, even, even more than we thought. And I've been saying for three years now, everybody's gonna get COVID and it turns out Pretty much everybody did. 
Which, they just didn't know it? Exactly. The, the symptoms were so mild? Exactly. Uh, no symptoms whatsoever, or they, 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 they didn't get enough of a viral load to show any symptoms. They just, but it's a really infectious bug. The fact is, it's a lot less nasty than we thought, that if you weren't in any of the risk groups, you probably weren't going to show any symptoms, and it probably wasn't even going to get enough of a hold in your system to, to generate symptoms if you, if you were susceptible. Um, so we, we, we've got that little factoid sitting there. We know that almost all the damage uh, caused to people who are not in risk groups wasn't due to the virus. It was due to the shutdowns and to the social engineering that we all were forced to undergo for so terribly, stupidly wrong. Um, and there's something to be said for uh, leaders who set an example. Um, one, of the, one of the bravest acts I've ever seen was a, a man kind of jogging up a flight of stairs, which might not sound like much, but... No, I know what you yeah, mean. When, uh, when Donald Trump, president at the time, uh, had to be put in the hospital, because he's in at least a couple of risk groups, uh, age and weight for, uh, for COVID-19, they, they put him in, uh, in Walter Reed, I think, for two or three days. And here is a guy in his 70s who's just had a nasty respiratory infection who got out of the limo on live TV and jogged up those stairs where the whole world could see him. And he was a little winded when he got to the top of those stairs. Who wouldn't be after a respiratory infection like that? But he set an example to say, look, I beat this thing. I'm still here. I'm running strong. He took a hell of a risk there. That was a very brave act to do that on live TV. And we are getting a different kind of example set by the by the status, by the leftists, particularly on the climate change nonsense. Uh, they get out of the car a half mile ahead, they get on the bike. Um, and the example they're setting isn't the little bike ride. The example they're setting is, I know, you know, that I just got on the bike for the last half mile. I know you know that I, I, I was in the limo with, with the motorcade. I know you know that I flew here on the private jet, but I'm getting on the bicycle anyway, even though we both know it's all fake because I'm rubbing it in your face what I can get away with thanks to my position. So it's kabuki, basically. It, it's not even kabuki. So kabuki series is of for entertainment. They're, they're, they are rubbing the, <laughs> our, our noses in their... In their power. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. They flaunt their hypocrisy. That is how untouchable they feel, Bill. Well, Scott, this is the issue, right? And, and when I began my introduction, I was serious about this. I soon became convinced that COVID was not nearly the threat that the people in power were telling me that it was. But I didn't want to be wrong about that. And yeah. and the two things that convinced me, that the two pieces of empirical evidence that convinced me, one of them was very scientific and the other one was just the opposite. When Elon Musk was told he had to close down his Tesla plant in California, he said, no, here are your predictions of the number of people hospitalized, and here's the number of people that are actually hospitalized. This is data. It's not a projection. This is data. I'm going to open the factory, and if you want to arrest somebody, come and arrest me. And he did, and they didn't arrest him, so, so that was data. But the thing that really convinced me that COVID was not nearly as serious as, as it was made out to be was when I find out that Gavin Newsom is sitting shoulder to shoulder with medical professionals in an enclosed room and none of them are wearing masks at the French restaurant. That's when I realized that these people know 
that it's not as serious as they're telling us because if it was as serious as they were telling us, they wouldn't be doing these things with their own precious lives. So it's manipulation for power or something, but don't you don't you find that the that the argument that what I'm making is very, very serious is extremely undermined by the fact that I'm not doing anything about it in my own private life when the cameras are not rolling? Yeah, I mean, you have to live it out. If you say you believe something, you, ha you have to act consistently with that. And I think that a lot of this, I mean, and this is sad, but the best possible spin you can put on this is that these politicians um, think that, in essence, it's not that they're above these things, but they don't really believe that they're going to be laid low by COVID. Like COVID's not going to kill them, but it could be a threat to all those people out there. And so in public anyway, we should put on a show that indicates that everybody should wear masks. And, you know, they constantly make these pronouncements that you have to do that because you have to, you know, protect these people who don't know how to, you know, I don't know, wash their hands after they pee or something. They're just like, they don't see themselves in the same category um, until some some of them start getting and, it. And therein lies the yeah. rub. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know that it's just that they're, they're you know, rubbing their hands together in glee saying, eh, we can act like this behind the scenes because we know those stupid little people will do whatever they tell them. Or they're just arrogant people and, and they're just victims of their own arrogance, uh, frankly. And when you, when you come, you know, bicycling up to the climate conference, what you're saying is, like you said, well, nobody thinks I got here from, from Washington, D.C. on a bicycle to Paris, but, um, but I want to do something that, that I know is going to be on the evening news. There's the Secretary of Transportation on a bicycle showing up at the climate conference, and that will send a signal that it's important that we ride bicycles instead of drive cars because we're trying to save the planet. And so it's it's just a PR gesture. And it's something that frankly, I'm sure their, their marketing people and their PR people and their press people sat down and said, what can we do to really get this message across? The secretary really wants people to understand that this is important, what can we do? Oh yeah, let's put a little helmet on him and have him you know show up at the climate conference on a bicycle. So. It, there's, uh, it's funny because the, you bring this topic up. I didn't know you were going to talk about this, but there was a story I read today about climate change. And for the first time, I realized, wow, this is man-made and there's something we can do about it. And it's a new kind of climate change, which you may not have heard about before. It's afflicting Chicago and many other large cities, and they're calling it underground climate change. And what's going on with underground climate change is essentially that the stuff that we have built underground has heated up the surrounding soils. Uh, from 1951 to the present, I think they've measured that an average increase of like 5.6 degrees Fahrenheit um, on average. Um, and what is happening is as a result of that, some of those soils are receding by little tiny amounts, but it doesn't take much when you've got a 32-story building sitting on top of the, the area of the ground that's receding. And I read this story and I thought, huh, look at that. I mean, if these measurements are accurate, yes, in fact, this is man-made climate change, if you want to call it that. It's We're heating up the soil. That's causing the soil to recede. And guess what? The rate of that is decreasing. The rate of the increase is decreasing basically over time because more and more builders are using better insulation and things like that. And so there's not as much heat escaping into the soil. And 
we could actually do something about this. Like if you do a better job insulating basements and insulating parking garages and things that are underground, you can actually reduce the, the, the temperature increase underground and, and prevent the soil from receding. And all of that, I was like, I, I could, I mean, this, I just read one story, but I could follow the science through this and I could say, yeah, you know, next time you build a building, why don't you insulate that basement? And, uh, and that'll help the situation. Your building won't fall into the earth. Um, but that, is not in the same category as this sort of global climate change where it's really not caused by humanity and there's not much we can do about it except for not do stupid things like build your house right on the beach when you know that tidal levels change over the course of history. So all that- Why would you do that? Yeah, all of that said- If you believe this. Um, I think the key thing, if you, if you want to counter this, and let's say some other political party, oh, I don't know, is there another political party? Maybe they would want to show, not just demonstrate that they are doing symbolic things consistent with their viewpoints, but maybe they would actually want to live out their values. Uh, maybe they would want to do that in a, in a real and, um, and practical way on an ongoing basis and not just for the press release. Now, the problem with that is you don't get that beautiful picture that was framed for Instagram, um, you know, because you, you actually set somebody up to take that picture for you. But I think over time, people realize, especially at the local level where a lot of congressional elections are really made and won and lost, is people look at that and go, you know what? That guy really means what he says. He lives like he believes. He supports the things he says he believes in, and he acts consistent with those values. Uh, intellectual honesty requires that you accept that the other person's position is is real and true to them, and then try to understand what that position is and see if there's any basis for it. And having done this and watched this for a long time, I can come to one conclusion and one conclusion only from this uh, Spanish um, minister and, and, and Pete Buttigieg. And the only conclusion I can draw from this behavior is bicycles for thee, but not for me. And when I see legislators shoulder to shoulder speaking directly, whispering into each other's ear and then getting on the steps of the Capitol to go down there, standing there six feet apart and wearing masks, the only conclusion I'm left with is masks for thee, but not for me, which means that they are in the genuine sense lying. There's a big diet, big difference between lying and being wrong. You can be wrong about things, heartfelt things and believe them and say them and you're not lying, you're just wrong. But when your behavior shows you that you're not afraid of something, in private, but in public, you act as if you are. That is, in fact, lying about things. This, this is the thought I had when I realized that Al Gore's house was drawing so much more power than everybody else's. I put myself in Al Gore's position and I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I said, let's say that this is true. Let's say that this is true. Al Gore is onto something. His movie is accurate and he believes it. If that were the case, then my house would be drawing less electricity than anybody's house in the neighborhood. In other words, if I, if I was firmly convinced that eating olives caused the earth to catch fire, I would not, no, let's just say, if I thought that eating olives was gonna cause the earth to catch fire, I would not be eating 30 times more olives than the guy next to me. I wouldn't be eating any olives at all. And the fact that I'm eating 60 times more olives than the person next to me when I've just told you that eating olives is gonna kill the planet is a pretty, pretty firm indicator that I'm lying. 
that my behavior does not match my alarmist predictions. And what I find especially interesting about both the response to COVID and the response to uh, the so-called climate change is this business of shut up, don't ask questions, just follow the science. Unlike the people who say these things, I know what science is and I know how science works. What they should be trying to do if this was real science in the case of climate change is they should be constantly not trying to do things to reaffirm their theory. They should be doing everything they can to disprove their theory. That's how you find out if something is true or not. If you set up an experiment that comes back positive, that you get that you get the expected results or something, it confirms your theory, you have learned nothing. The way to find out if a theory is true is to do everything you possibly can to disprove the theory. And if you are not able to disprove it, then you've got a good chance of being right. And so when people say, well, the science shows this and the science shows that, no, what you're showing me are experiments that already back your conclusion. Where are the experiments that try to disprove your conclusion? That's what science is. And there's no science being done here at all. So our job here at Bilwoodle.com and with the work that we do here and, and, and paid for by our members is to make clear what your own lying eyes are telling you, which is when somebody rides in a big SUV or flies a private jet to a climate conference, then gets on a bicycle and rides up in order to show the people who only watch the little TV clips that this is serious business, they are lying. Because if they were telling the truth, they'd show up in an electric golf cart and deal with all of the inconveniences and all of the discomfort. They'd be flying coach in the back of a regularly scheduled airline. If they actually believe this, that's what they'd be doing. That's what you'd be doing. And they're not doing it. So number one, it means don't be as afraid of things as they want you to be. And number two, question the motives of people who go to extravagant lengths to show you an image that is not true, because that means that the cause that they're promoting isn't actually real. And that's how we know it. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.